0: Food Heals Podcast, episode 184.
1: feel the same pain. They feel the same joy. You know, they want to be free. They have instincts and impulses and desires. They want to socialize and play and nurture their young. It's so basic. This is hardwired into all of our DNA. And this factory farming system frustrates every one of these desires. You know, people get hung up on the cruel workers, like my supervisor, Phil, who beats them. Mm -hmm. And that is unexcusable but every single part of this model is built with total disregard for these animals needs it's just all about how to maximize profit it's just, It just it can't sustain itself
2: holistic voice presents the food heals podcast with your hosts
1: alison melody and Susie hardy join the food hills nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself
0: So you remember Leslie's interview from last week and our special announcement. So since Susie was out of town when we recorded today's interview, Leslie generously stuck around to co-host with me. And so we are talking to Cody Carlson. He is the staff attorney at Mercy for Animals and a former MFA investigator. And his story is so intense. It's so heart-wrenching. I promise you chills, Food Heals Nation. But first, our 2018 is really shaping up to be probably the best one yet. And we have four, yes, four events that we are either attending or hosting in 2018. And we hope to see you there. So which one should we announce first? Um,
3: Maybe the first one of the year. We're going to
0: Sundance! Sundance! (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Yay! I'm so excited. If you haven't been, Sundance, it's the film festival. It's the largest indie film festival in the United States. It's in Park City, Utah. This will be my fifth time, You're but fit my first
3: time. time. You're a veteran.
0: I'm a veteran, but my fifth time, but my first time with the Food Heals podcast and Susie.
3: That's true. It's only my second time. I'm a newbie. So I'm glad that well, Ali's going to help me uh, learn the ropes because there's there's like a certain setup for Sundance. Like you got to know some
0: stuff. You can't just show you gotta up. You got to know some stuff. Yeah, you got to know some stuff. So I'm already on my text party list to know where all the hot parties are, and we've got our event that we're going to be at, which is free. So Food Heals Nation, you're invited. If any of you are going to Sundance or you live in the Park City area and you want to come hang out with us, we're going to be at the Indie Film Showcase. That's on Sunday, January 21st. It's from 1.45 to 4 p.m. It's going to be a panel discussion and then a cocktail party. Woo-hoo. Yay. (laughs) Come get warm. Come get some drinks with us. Get toasted. (laughs) Yes. Get toasted with us. That's a good word. And um, we'll be around. We're going to do some interviews with some filmmakers. So we look forward to seeing you if you want to come hang out. Otherwise, you can listen to the podcast sometime. We'll probably... I don't know, be in January, or February, but come hang out. I mean, it's a good opportunity to hang out with Susie and I. And my sister in law will be there too. She's going to be doing some social media for us. You get to meet her, to, her as well. And she's fabulous too. She is. We love her. Yeah. So what else are we doing, Susie? Next up, we're going to Italy. Who's coming? Yay. Who's coming with us? I mean, this one is going to be amazing, incredible, delightful, delicious. What's another adjective I can use? Spectacular, beautiful, incandescent. Ooh, that's a good one. So we hope you're coming with us, Food Heals Nation. We're going to Italy June 2nd to June 9th. We're going to stay in a villa above the Mediterranean Sea. No, above the Amalfi Coast. This is even more
3: specific and more impressive. If you've ever been there, if you've heard us talk about it before, Amalfi is one of my favorite spots in the world. It is spectacularly beautiful.
0: And I've never been. So Susie, you're going to have to show me the ropes, you and Leslie. Show me what to do. That's right. I'm so excited. I know. I know I am. So it's going to be a healthy experience. It's going to be a fun experience. We're going to eat good food. We're going to drink good wine. We're going to take fun hikes. You're going to learn a lot. Um, They have fruit and vegetable gardens. Uh, Leslie is going to to do cooking lessons because she is a like she's a real legit vegan chef like you're lucky I'm not cooking for you that would just be like oh here's like a veggie burger no she's gonna make us culinary are you laughing at me I am she's gonna make <laughs> us culinary culinary creations beyond her wildest dreams I'm so excited there's an infinity edge pool there's a hot tub a natural spring grotto an organic farm and all the Italian charm you'll ever need in your life I'm so excited. I can't wait. Come join us. If you're
3: interested, please let us know. Allie, how do they let us know? <laughs>
0: uh, what's the website I set it, up? Foodhealsnation.com slash Italy. Yes. And so what's gonna happen is you're gonna get an email from us and it's gonna say, here's all the information about Italy, and that's gonna let us know that you're interested so that we can chat and, you know, answer all your questions, anything like that. Uh, because we will won- don't wanna take up all of the valuable podcast that I'm talking about Italy, although we will take up some time because it's so fun to talk about, but we don't wanna uh, make everyone jealous that's not deciding to come with us on this beautiful trip. So just email us. We'll email you back and you know it'll go like that. Great. So get on the interest list, foodhealsnation.com slash Italy. We've got two more events to tell you about. They're both in 2018, but right now I want to get you straight to our interview with Cody. It's such a good interview. Stay tuned because after this podcast, we will tell you all the rest. So the other events that Susie and I will be at that you can come and join us. Next up, my interview with Cody Carlson.
3: The Food Heals Podcast starts now.
0: All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody, and my guest co-host for this episode is a vegan chef and healthy living educator. She's been plant-based since she was eight years old. You might know her from many TV appearances. She's been on The Doctors, The Food Network, The Hallmark Channel, The Discovery Channel, and many more. And of course, you might know her from the Food Heels podcast. Welcome back, Leslie Durso.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited to be back here. And of course, Food Heels is one of my favorite shows to come on, and it's been way too long, and I'm so excited to be back.
0: And she's one of our favorite guests because she always brings us organic champagne.
2: Um, yes, <laughs> Le and Cortage is amazing, delicious, beautiful, vegan, uh, sparkling, uh, white, and rosé. It's delicious. It's so good.
0: <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be discussing Mercy for Animals and the groundbreaking work of the undercover investigators who are risking everything to expose animal cruelty. And it's truly leading to policy change. So one of these incredible individuals is Cody Carlson. Cody is a staff attorney at Mercy for Animals handing legislative affairs and public policy. As a former MFA undercover investigator, Cody exposed animal abuse in the egg, pork, and dairy industries. That led to criminal convictions, policy reforms, and international media coverage. Cody now works to pass laws improving conditions for farmed animals and to defeat anti-animal legislation like ag-gag laws, which I always talk about because of North Carolina, my home state which aim to turn his fellow investigators into criminals. Thank you so much Cody for the work that you do. Welcome
1: Cody. Thank you so much for having me, Alison. I'm really delighted to be here with you guys today.
0: Yay, this is such a good group. We're all animal activists here at this table. Cody is the most animal activist. Leslie and I go to all the galas. Dress up. <laughs> we look pretty and we support and I give lots of money. But I've never been in the trenches. (laughs) Look, we all do our part. Cody
2: definitely has been in there on the front lines doing some incredible stuff. But you do an amazing part um, here on your podcast and reaching all the people that you do. So don't underestimate
0: what you do. Mm -hmm. That was so sweet. I was not fishing for compliments, (laughs) but I will take it. Take it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Cody, what got you started in this animal activism world? I know it wasn't the the first thing that you set out to do. So how did you get into it?
1: yeah sure um let's see I, you know when i was a, a young kid in my i guess early teens I, I got exposed to sort of vegetarianism through punk music and uh took that on and that just became sort of a part of my life that i never really thought too much beyond until um many years later i guess in in my mid-20s um i was working a corporate job in new york city and uh, i was watching the news one day a story came on about proposition 2 which was this uh this proposed ballot initiative in California that would have banned a lot of the worst practices on factory farms. And the reason why this was uh, on the news all the way in New York city is because there was this organization I'd never heard of called Mercy for Animals that had conducted undercover investigations of these two battery cage egg farms uh, in California and just revealed some of the most horrific images you could possibly imagine Mm. dead animals, you know, in the cages rotting while their animals are laying eggs on top of them and other horrendous things. And, uh, I really thought they were doing really incredible stuff, you know, showing people the truth and and then really acting on it, from calling for people to adopt a plant-based diet to you know really trying to change the law and policies. So the next day, I, I reached out to them. I sent them an email. I was working at the time as basically a private investigator to the Fortune 500 uh, for part of this international business intelligence firm, and as part of our pro bono committee, I said, hey, you know, we'd really love to do some work for you. Maybe you could trace supply chains between factory farms and restaurants or dig up dirt on the opposition or whatever. And the founder of the organization, Nathan Runkle, who Mm -hmm. started this organization when he was just a high school kid at 15, he called me back a couple days later and said, hey, thank you so much for the offer. Uh, That would be really great. But you know, what we really need are more of these undercover investigators. We've been doing so much for the last year or two with just the one, imagine what we could do if we had another one. So I knew I wanted to do something more for animals, and I was trying to find out how to do that. This was definitely not what I was thinking of. Okay. But I thought about it. I saw it was a really incredible opportunity to sort of do something interesting and impactful. So uh, I ended up quitting my job, buzzing my hair, growing a goatee, and, and packing my pickup truck and driving out uh, into the countryside. And, this is
0: incredible. Uh,
1: it was It was a wild ride. You know, I went out to California and trained with the investigator, and, and he taught me how to use the hidden camera technology, he sort of taught me how to talk the talk and walk the walk as, as a farmhand. You know, I, I spent most of my life in New York City, so it was a bit of a learning curve, but uh, I got up and- a This couple-
0: New York City guy is going <laughs> to work in the farming industry. And you had to like, did you have to um, change your backstory or anything like that?
1: Uh, you know, it was more of what I didn't say, you know. Okay. So, um, you know, I had I had experience uh, working as a landscaper. I knew how to weld. I had done a lot of physical labor. Um, I knew I drove a pickup truck. Um, uh-huh. Certainly didn't mention that, you know, like I studied, you know, at UC Santa Cruz, and uh, you know, I had a college <laughs> education, and I was a vegetarian, you know. So I left a couple of key details I, out.
0: I, I mean, you have to leave the fact that you're a vegetarian. Probably now, would right?
1: have it would have looked at me strange. Um, <laughs> I would have
0: blown the interview.
1: <laughs> well, you know, the interview couldn't have been easier. I really got in there, and uh, the only thing they really wanted to know was, "Hey, we want you to walk through these barns and see if you can stomach it, because you're going to be knee deep in cow manure every day. You're going to see all these horrific sights." Take a quick look and tell tell us if that's something you're willing to do. Oh my gosh! Um, so you know, I just told him, look, I just want a paycheck. Give, give me the job. That's how I got my first undercover job. And- this is
0: amazing. That is
2: really something what was that like the first time you walked through that floor
1: oh god leslie was horrible i mean i didn't really know what to expect no one had ever gone undercover at a major dairy farm before this is the biggest dairy farm in the northeast it was called willet dairy it's not too far from ithaca new york which is you know a real progressive hub but you get 20 miles outside of town and all of a sudden it's factory farm country Mm -hmm. this place i don't want to call it a farm it was a a factory kept you know about 4,000 cows Uh, really tightly confined in these tiny concrete barns where they have barely any room to move. They're living in their own manure. Um, They're kept constantly pregnant to keep their milk at a total maximum. My job was basically to to repair things as they broke. So, you know, there would be these devices that would scoop up all the manure and push it into this sewage system, which would end up in a huge lagoon, which then caused all these environmental and health problems for the neighbors down the street. and then, you know, fixing all sorts of things like that that would break all the time. And, and just being around these cows all the time, um, you know, the first thing I noticed is just how incredibly sweet they were. Um, they would always want to come up to me and, and nuzzle me and get some attention. You know, they were so bored and having someone to hang out with. They were, they were just, they are like giant dogs that just wanted to, oh. you know, play with you. they were oh so God. full of life. And um, my coworker or my supervisor who had been there for 20 years just didn't, Feel what I felt so whenever they got close he'd lash out them and at them and strike them with a oh. wrench or uh. hit them with a frayed cable and they'd go running away but then two minutes later they'd start inching back because they still just wanted to play so they were so sweet oh. and they just didn't get any of this empathy back um, and you
0: had to pretend you're fine with it
1: yeah well you know I would tell some of my coworkers. You know, I was like you know Phil my supervisor he's kind of doing some messed up stuff with the animals he's hitting them and everything and they would just laugh it off and they go oh yeah you know Phil likes to get real rough with him, you know. He's he's a real sicko, but don't worry about it, you know. And he'd been there for 20 years, so this was just part of, you know, every day. He's so
0: desensitized.
1: Day. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, when you're around so many animals, you lose any sense of their individuality. They're just something in the way to doing your job. So, mm. you know, I mean, I don't want to forgive him too much for what he did but it really is part of the factory farming mentality is Mm -hmm. you just stop you lose any sense of these animals being individuals Uh yeah so you know I, I saw him doing this I saw just you know these cows were kept constantly pregnant they're constantly giving out babies or giving birth and they're extremely maternal creatures and so you'd see these cows get their baby calves get separated from them when they're only minutes old And the cows would follow them, bellowing for them. They'd go around a corner and they'd spend days looking for their babies. Uh, In case
2: somebody doesn't know, I'm just going to interrupt you. What does happen to those baby cows? Yeah, sure. We know the answer, but I think it's important that everybody else does. That's a really
1: good question. So, you know, one of the the problems is that these babies don't have any economic value to the industry. They're not being born to be new dairy cows. The male cows. Even the female cows. Okay. A very small minority of female cows will be raised as new dairy cows, but most of the females and all the males... They just get dragged to this uninsulated tin shed this is way in way upstate new york in the middle of winter so it's below freezing and they just get left there and some of them would freeze to death the rest that didn't would get sold for slaughter when their days or weeks old and go and be turned into like really cheap hamburger meat so they're basically Mm -hmm. a byproduct Mm -hmm. and that was the first thing i really realized was like whoa it's not just you know meat like you know uh, i heard someone say the other day uh you know dairy is liquid meat and when you think about it, it really is in terms of All these animals are headed to slaughter, including Mm -hmm. tons and tons of these babies. Um, That's a good
0: way to put it, because I think a lot of people have a disconnect, and that's why we have a lot of vegetarians, Mm -hmm. um, because they feel like, okay, we're not eating the meat, so we're doing something good, and they are, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but if you put it that way, liquid meat, it really makes that connection. Right,
1: right. So, you know, I'm not going to bum out all your listeners with a a laundry list of every bad thing I saw, but it it was a really uh, eye-opening experience, and I think... After that, I kind of got out of there. and I was like, okay, I did my part. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go back to my cushy corporate job in Manhattan and mm-hmm. leave this behind. I know the truth now.
0: And how long were you there for?
1: I was there for about five weeks. Yeah, and, and what happened in the aftermath of that investigation was just incredible. MFA took my case. They brought it to the media. So we got a, an exclusive with Nightline with Brian Ross and a bunch of other media coverage. So millions of people became educated about the truth behind dairy. Can
0: I back up really Please. quick? Did you um, film all of this? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, so you so got hidden cameras.
1: Yeah, so the way it works is we go and get a job just like any other worker. We do our job as good as we can. you know. We keep our head down, uh, but the whole time we're wearing a pinhole camera, concealed somewhere on our person, um, and recording everything we see. So yeah, we we were able to take that footage, we took it to the media, we educated people, we took it to law enforcement, along with a criminal complaint that we uh, prepared. Mm -hmm. And that led to uh, my supervisor being convicted of animal cruelty for beating the animals. We were able to work with local lawmakers in New York to introduce legislation that would uh, have banned some of the practices that I documented. Uh, The distributor for the farm canceled their contract. They were supplying to Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John's. So it was a big economic blow. Uh, And even the farm itself changed some of its policies. So it started using anesthesia when it chopped off the cow's tails, which it wasn't doing before. I'm sorry, it stopped chopping off the cow's tails, and it started using anesthesia for this practice called disbudding, which is when you keep these animals super confined, obviously cows have horns, but there's not room for horns Mm. in the factory farm model. So they would take a hot iron and basically just scoop it out of their head. And man, watching these cows just thrash, and they'd vomit in their mouths, which were muzzled and tied to a post, and they'd collapse um, so they finally agreed to start using anesthesia, which was a really big step. And just seeing all of the aftermath, all of this positive fallout, I kind of got hooked. Uh, it was like almost like you uh, made
0: such a huge difference I, in those five weeks.
1: And to go from being like, hey, I want to help animals and I have no idea how to all of a sudden, hey, I'm on the front lines, you know, trying to change things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, a little bit addictive. Um, and so against my better judgment, I stuck it out. Uh, I, I ended up working undercover for about two years, doing uh, some more cases in different industries. And um, eventually I just hit my wall and, and wasn't able to really do that anymore. But I knew I wanted to stay involved with everything MFA was doing. So I went to law school and now I've been able to come back and, and work as one of their attorneys. So so did
0: you go to law school with this purpose?
1: Yes, absolutely. Wow, yeah.
0: that's incredible. What, were you, what was your cushy corporate job before?
1: <laughs> uh, like I said, I was working for uh, a business intelligence firm. So we we're basically just digging up dirt on corporate ceos or vetting ceos and things like that uh we did a lot of crazy stuff but yeah it was basically a pi for big business
2: and did you go to law school for animal law
1: yeah so i i just seen a couple
2: universities that are now doing that right
1: so animal law is the fastest growing field of law right now so these animal law programs (laughs) are opening up at law schools like every week there's new ones being uh introduced it's really incredible Only a few years ago when I went to law school, there weren't very many of these. Um, But I think there's been sort of a a zeitgeist of people getting interested in this right now. Um, So there's a whole new generation of animal attorneys coming out there. It's pretty cool to see. I had just seen what we were doing at MFA and what other groups like the Humane Society of the United States were doing with their lawyers. And I just thought it was incredible. You know, I think I came to that job thinking, well, like, Everybody's got to go vegan. It's so easy. I did it. It's still, you know, it's not that hard. And I still obviously believe that. Um, but also just seeing what these animals go through, you know, when you see a battery cage egg farm where there's 300,000 birds per barn and dozens of barns on the property. Wow. So millions of animals in these tiny little cages where they can never move. And, you know, I realized you can't wait for everyone to go vegan. We need to do everything on the table to try to improve their lives. And so that got me really interested in legislation and policy because I saw that, you know, as long as these animals are going to be on the farm, we need to get them out of these cages. We need to get them anesthesia. You know, we got to do everything to make people aware and to reduce their suffering while we're also calling for a plant-based diet.
0: And what about people that may say, well... I only eat grass-fed, and the cows are in the grass and the meadow, and they're playing, and all of that stuff. Is that a myth? Does that exist? Did you ever see anything like that?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know that some of those places are still out there, but they're you know less than the one percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vast majority of these animals are raised on these horrible factory farms, um, and even the ones that do come from these small, you know, old McDonald's style farms, you know, it's not perfect for them. They have they go through a lot. They're still getting castrated and tailed docked without anesthesia. They're still obviously being killed for their food, and that's not a pleasant thing to go through.
0: So just because they're not a factory-farmed animal, they're still essentially being tortured?
1: I mean, in fact, some of the worst abuses that we've documented in our undercover investigations are from these smaller farms. Uh, People, you know, when you just see these uh, hired hands who just, like my supervisor, just take out their rage on them, Uh, we've just uh, seen the worst forms of abuse on big farms and small farms uh, alike. Yeah, so...
0: So what happens to your supervisor or when someone gets caught Mm -hmm. abusing animals? What does their sentence look like?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Well, typically, um, depending on the severity of the abuse, some of them have gone to jail for a few months. Um, My supervisor didn't. He was assessed, uh, uh, I think, a $500 fine. Oh my God,
0: are you kidding me?
1: But he was also, for (laughs) what it's worth, um, you know, ordered not to have contact with animals for two years. So obviously separated him from the cows. He lost his job. And I think it's important not to underestimate just creating that, that precedent under the law that, hey, these animals matter, uh, they count, and you can't just beat them willy-nilly, you know? Um, so we've been building out that case law so that now, you know, it used to be much, much harder to get these convictions, and now we're getting them pretty regularly on undercover investigations because law enforcement knows how to handle this, we know how to bring it to them, and now we're getting convictions for chickens and turkeys and animals that until very recently had no rights under the law, so, do I think if uh, I, think I name
2: the that, the the workers that are in the slaughterhouses are now having a higher rate of violence outside the workplace.
1: You know, I, I can only speak to what I saw personally, but yes, uh, there was a real, seemed to be a real ratio, a real correlation between that. So like I, at every place I worked at, you know, most of the workers were, I think, at heart, good people who wanted to do the right thing. And they're just economically vulnerable. A lot of them mm-hmm. were Undocumented, or they came from, you know, these super rural parts of the United States where there just aren't a lot of jobs around. So they might have a job application at the auto plant down the street, but right now they're paying rent working this factory farm. And they would tell me, you know, oh, that's horrible. I, I lost sleep and lost weight and had nightmares mm. when I first started working here. But, like, don't worry, you'll get used to it. Um, so, and that's another
0: part of the tragedy, too, yeah. is that we are exposing humans to this ultimate cruelty like it's the norm and it's right. their only option
1: it's yeah it's literally soul crushing you know like it's not the way that any of us are supposed to interact with animals but there was always every farm i worked at there was at least one person who really took a lot of sadistic glee out of hurting the animals mm. and that person was always tolerated by the other people like i said who would just sort of laugh at it and on a couple instances i noticed that those were the same people who would also joke or brag about spousal and child abuse and uh one of them would like to you know say like oh i was able to run over a a chipmunk on the drive to work today ha i got him good you know so these were just people who just live oh this makes me
0: so sick i mean it's like i know and it it exists but like just to hear you say it it's like i i can't believe that this is still happening and i know that there's a lot of movements there's a lot of policy change that's happening and we're going to get into all that do you think and there's clean meat initiatives do you think that we're going to see the end of factory farming in our lifetime? Absolutely.
1: I'm very confident. Yes. Okay. I just yeah. want to go somewhere positive first. <laughs> I'm excited. i you do too. Yep. Okay. Good.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm really happy to hear that. We can go back to the conversation. I just want to tell Food Heals Nation that there will be a happy ending. So for anyone who doesn't know, can you tell us a little bit about the ag Ag laws?
1: Sure. So what happened is after we began to get more and more success doing these undercover investigations, really drawing attention to... uh the truth about what happens in these factory farms and slaughterhouses, you know, you might think that the industry would go, hey, we have a real PR problem here. We need to start addressing some of these issues. Um, But they took the exact opposite approach. Um, You know, this is an industry that's been hostile to any sort of reform, even the most modest animal welfare measures they're against. And in fact, they've managed to amend through their lobbying more than half of the state animal cruelty laws. To exempt common practices, like some of the things I saw, extreme confinement, chopping off body parts without anesthesia, they don't believe there should be any laws protecting animals. And so their are is to sort of fight this now because they see the power of these undercover exposés and and what showing the truth to people can do, and they've realized they need to stop it. And so beginning around 2010, they started lobbying for these things called ag-gag laws. And they take different forms, but basically the idea behind these laws, they're state-level laws that would make it a crime to conduct these kind of investigations. So instead of trying to penalize the workers and the supervisors and managers who are torturing these animals and, you know, making people sick through food safety problems and stuff, they've gone after us, the whistleblowers. The original ag-gag laws were passed in uh, Iowa, Utah, and Idaho. Mm-hmm. And they, in different ways, some of them made it illegal to take pictures of factory farms without the owner's permission. Mm-hmm. Some of them would make it uh, made it a crime to make a false statement on a job application. So I had applied to farms where on the job application it says, "Are you a member of an animal rights organization or a union?" And you know, obviously, I wrote, "No, I'm not," because I know why you're asking me that. Uh, That was at a factory farm in Iowa. The next year after my expose came out, they passed this law making it a crime to lie in a job application. And they cited me and they actually, the farm brought out my job application, showed a picture of this form I signed and said, look, we need to be able to throw this guy in jail.
0: Oh, my God. You're shaking it up over there. Yeah, right. So so they passed that <laughs> you're law. you never allowed in Iowa ever. <laughs> you can't even cross the state line.
1: I'll be fine. Um, so, no, no, full love to Iowa actually. I enjoy living there other other than that experience, obviously. Sure, sure. Um, but um, yeah, so you know, these are met a media blowback. People do not want to be told what they can and can't see. And certainly, the media doesn't like being told what they can and can't report on. And these laws would have actually do currently make it a crime in some cases for the media to share our footage. Mm-hmm. um and so so wrong. Yeah, so wrong. But it, they made you know the ag industry made the wrong enemies with these laws. So the media's are taking our investigations really seriously. They used to not want to show it because they were like, "This is too graphic. We're gonna uh-huh. lose viewers." Right. And now they're like, "Oh, you're coming after us." And the public's right to know. We're like, we really need to show this. And so we started getting coverage on USA Today and Rolling Stone and New York Times, and uh, you know, a real Amazing. you know Strizend effect they call it, you know. And you're yeah. told not to think about something, then you, you want to know about it. So it really blew up in their faces in a major way. And their approach was to then try to tweak it in little ways. So they're like, okay, now we're going to make it like a mandatory reporting bill. If you see animal cruelty, you got to report it within 24 hours. Well, that sounds nice, right? Uh-huh. But it's actually these bills, you know, you look at what the lawmakers were saying. It was all about getting us to blow our cover and, you know, go to law enforcement. But before we could oh. actually build a case and show that these factory farmers are responsible for it, you know, mm-hmm. we can go after, you know, the, Jose, the low-level worker, who's just following orders, but they don't want us embarrassing the management, you know? And so they would try that. And thankfully, you know, two of these laws have already... Well, they, they pushed these laws. They pushed 40 of these bills over the last seven years. Mm-hmm. Only six ended up passing. Two have already been overturned as unconstitutional restrictions on free speech. So there's only four of these laws left right now. Um, we're continuing to fight them.
0: Four of the 24-hour laws.
1: No, of these ad okay. gag laws in general.
0: Four of the ad gag laws, okay. Right. So or they only exist.
1: They've gone after, they tried to pass 40, they okay. passed six, and now only two, four remain in effect after two have been overturned by federal courts who said this is unconstitutional. You cannot do this. People have a right to free speech. These people are journalists, just like Upton Sinclair, who went undercover at a slaughterhouse back in 1906 mm-hmm. and exposed cruelty in the slaughterhouse industry there. Upton Sinclair in his book The Jungle ended up leading to the creation of the first federal agency regulating the meat industry, and these people are part of that tradition, they need a right, the public needs to know, they have a right to speak out about it, so these federal courts overturn those laws, and now the industry is continuing to push all sorts of other crazy measures, we can go on for hours about, I mean, that's what I do now, is fighting these laws. And they've backed off largely on ag-gag laws. They did pass one in Arkansas last year.
2: That's what I was just going to say. Which four states are the ones with ag-gag laws? Sure.
1: So right now it's Arkansas, North Carolina, Iowa, and, oh, I hate myself. I can't remember the fourth one right now.
2: Well, if you're a resident of one of those three states, what can you do if you want to see something like that overturned? What's an action that people, that listeners can do?
1: Yeah, you know, the best thing you could probably do is contact your your lawmakers, your representatives uh, in your state Senate and, and House of Representatives, contact your governor and encourage them to speak out about this.
0: I'm going to, I mean, I already did it. I'm going to look it up right now. I did it for North Carolina because that's where I um am from. And it made me so disappointed to hear it. Um, North Carolina in the news for this. And I was like, no, come on. Mm -hmm. But they're like, you know, they have all the hog farms. And it's a huge animal agriculture state. I never saw it growing up. I didn't even know it existed. But it's it's in all of these small towns across the state. And it breaks my heart that we're that we're one of the town, one of the places that passes agag.
1: Well, other than the smell, you never know. I mean, I remember, you know, growing up, driving around upstate New York, and you'd see um, these enormous white barns, you know, mm-hmm. and there's just these huge fans. And I was just like, oh, those are greenhouses. They're probably growing vegetables in there. Right. And it wasn't until I actually went inside one of them. And I'm like, oh, my God, those were factory farms the whole time.
0: Yeah, no, and you do smell it when you drive in these certain areas. Like, or yeah, anyone see...
2: driven down the five in, a,
0: in <laughs> oh, yeah. California, yeah. In LA, yeah, yeah, or California, and but you don't see it. They're good at they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, the five you see it too. What, what do you see? see? Oh,
2: the huge feedlot.
0: Yeah, it's a huge feedlot on your way up to. But you don't San see any type of abuse or anything going on. And you just smell it. Yeah, you smell it for sure. It smells like poo and death. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have a question: How did you emotionally handle what you saw? Because I can't imagine having a straight face while all this is going on and not internalizing it. And like, I mean, you obviously have used this passion for good, but I don't know how I wouldn't like get so depressed. I wanted to, you know, do something drastic. Like, how do you deal with this emotionally when you're in there?
1: It's kind of impossible not to internalize it a little bit. That's the nature of being undercover is holding that in. I mean, look, these jobs are incredibly physically exhausting on the best day. You know, you're getting there at 5 a.m. You're doing heavy physical labor. You're getting filthy. On top of that, you're dealing with the emotional turmoil of just constantly witnessing the most barbaric animal abuse, and on top of that, you're dealing with the stress and the uncertainty of living undercover. You're paranoid. You're constantly worried about being found out and what might happen. Um, yeah, so that's stressful too. It's this perfect. I'd be like, storm. they're all
0: gonna know,
1: right? And then, <laughs> and then, even on your free time, you go home to some crappy little motel in the middle of nowhere. You got no one to talk to. None of my friends knew what I was doing because I couldn't risk it getting out there. Wow, that's Um, a
0: good point. You can't tell anyone. Yeah,
1: and you're certainly not making friends with people in town because you're living, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, you know, my name's so-and-so, you know, the farmhand, like, who who am I going to hang out with, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, you know, my real, my confidant was Nathan Runkle, the executive director of of Mercy for Animals. This was, you know, almost 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. we were a much smaller organization then. So I'd get out of work and on the drive home, I'd call up Nathan and, ostensibly I was calling him to report back and tell him about my findings but really it was just to vent and cry and, and have someone to talk to so he was my lifeline right there mm-hmm. um now that we've grown as an organization we have a fully fleshed out investigations department where they have access to therapists they have you know all sorts of professionals who I mean our director of investigations is a former investigator herself Lindsay Wolf we really know how to take care of our, our investigators in a really uh, robust way. But at the time, we were just sort of winging it and figuring it out. I definitely uh, still carry a lot of that with me. But at the time, I think all you can do is just think, look, this is the greater good. I was um, to say, it's all worth it in the yeah, end, right? Yeah, you know, there were times when I wanted to just grab, you know, I'd see these baby calves freezing to death in this tin shed. And I, just, I remember this one, and I would spend all my free time just petting her because I saw her day after day, watching the life drain out of her eyes. and I'd sit with her and pet her and then I'd get up and be like, I gotta get back to work and she'd start bellowing after me and so I'd go sit down with her for another five minutes and then I knew heartbreaking Yeah, and I I, you know, this one time I'm like, You're gonna be gone the next time I come back and sure enough there she was and you know i just i wanted to grab her so badly i was right near cornell where they have a great veterinary hospital i'm like i can save this cow uh, this would be yeah. a, a great use of this month of my life i could save a, a save a life but i knew that you know this the stuff had to get out there and if i did that or if i they punched punch fill my supervisor or all the different things i wanted to do you know it would it would not be in the animal's best interest in the long run that you really need to stay there so you know you live with it um and you just have to I sort of rationalize in your head that this is what needs to happen.
0: Oh, my God. Well, thank you. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. It's like so I, I don't know how I wouldn't save that cow because I would, I would be the one that broke all the rules and, like, got mm-hmm. in trouble and, like, went to jail. Uh-huh. And then they, they would have no footage because I ruined yeah. it. <laughs> We're not sending you out there. No, you're yeah. not. Okay. You're not. I wouldn't survive. Um, So what can people do today to get involved in helping farm animals, whether, you know, from from the point of I'm ready to go undercover and from the point Mm -hmm. of like, hey, I have a full time job and I just want to help out on the weekends or whenever I can or donate my money or donate my time.
1: Absolutely. yeah. So, I mean, there's a bunch of great groups out there. I'm so proud to be part of Mercy for Animals. I think we're I mean, we are uh, the leading, you know, farmed animal protection organization. We're international now. We're doing incredible things. That's all driven by our grassroots. Yeah. Right? So we have, I mean, if people go to our website, mercyforanimals.org, you can sign up right there. Uh, You'll get action alerts with things you can do, whether it's sending a tweet or writing a letter to your lawmaker, or, you know, we do leafleting and all sorts of educational events. We do this thing called paid per view, where we'll go to like busy places or college campuses uh, or events and give people a dollar to watch factory farm footage. And people almost never take the dollar after they take it, but it's a really good way to get people to go, okay, I'll, I'll sit and watch this Wait, stuff. Wait,
0: this is fascinating. Tell me more about that. It's yeah, a it's cool. a cool program. It's great. Okay, so, okay, yeah, tell me about it. So you're offering someone a dollar.
1: So imagine you're a college kid walking through your commons and yeah. someone says to you, hey, you, have, uh, you want to make a dollar in four minutes to watch this video? And we'll go, okay, sure, I'll check it out. Okay. And then you watch and it's actually a video. out uh, It's narrated by me and, and um, with my kid and our family. It's called What Cody Saw. You can watch it at whatcodysaw.com. Yes, I've watched it. Um, and yeah, so you watch this and it's sort of a tour of, of how food is produced, how animal products are produced today. And it shows, you, you know, how fish is made and chicken and eggs and dairy, and all these different things. And then after the four minute video, you get a dollar to watch it. And like I said, you know, most of the time people are going, no, you know, I'm not gonna take that dollar, save it for the next person. But it's a great way to have volunteers come out and help out and staff these tables. So we're doing things all the time that people can get involved with. So certainly just the website's a great way to join in. We have a group called Hen Heroes, uh, which people can Google, Bursey for Animals, Hen Heroes. That's a group of more dedicated activists who also can do just maybe 10 or 15 minute actions here and there and we let you know about that. That's a way to really step up your activism. We have a writer's group called Oink, O-I-N-K. It's kind of a pun because of ink. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are people who really have a a way with words and they can help us write letters to the editor or things like that to help uh, raise awareness about things. Right now we have a huge ballot initiative to change California's law right now. So we're recruiting an army of literally over a 1,000 volunteers around the state to go out and collect signatures, which are going to help us get a law for a vote next year that would ban a lot of these practices, like battery cages for where they can find uh, egg-laying hens and gestation crates that keep mother pigs and veal crates, which keep baby calves in these tiny cages where they can never move. So there's all sorts of grassroots opportunities and ways to get involved. And then, of course, you know, supporting uh, organizations financially. uh, You know, everyone's got a role to play. And certainly people with special skills should always get in touch with us because we can always use people helping out doing whatever they can.
0: Well, I signed on Sunday at the event. That's right. And I donated because I always donate because I have a problem. (laughs) <laughs> that's not a problem. A it's a yeah, good no. problem. That's it's a, so good that's good a problem. problem to have. My husband thinks it's uh, <laughs> only Because I donate a lot. But it's not my money. It's not his. Don't worry. I have a soft spot for a- anyone that pitches me or I'm at an event. And I'm just like, or, or, or at the charity gals. And I just raise my thing. I'm like, me, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Anyways, it is a good problem to have. So you guys both said earlier you think that it's the end of factory farming in our lifetime. How is that going to happen? Is it going to happen through clean meat? Is it going to happen through educating people to get off the factory farm? Is factory farming going to stop? Like, What are are we thinking? What are we saying? Open to both of you.
2: I mean, I think it's going to be a a culmination of all of those things. I I think that it has to be because you have to um, get to people on the level that they understand Mm -hmm. and that resonates with them. And that might be through animal cruelty. That might be through health reasons. That might be through environmental reasons whatever their reason is that resonates with them is why it's going to stop for them personally and then yeah i think on a you know statewide and countrywide level i think people are just kind of up to here i mean thank Mm -hmm. you to people like you cody who are exposing what's happening and even people that want to continue to eat meat are not willing to do it in the ways that are happening right now and so they're willing to give up meat or eat a lot less meat in yeah. order um, to have something that they feel better yeah. on their yeah. conscience.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be really clear. Like, I, I believe factory farming will end in our lifetime, but I don't think it's going to happen on its own. It's going to happen because yeah. people are stepping up yeah. and doing activism and educating their community and a number of different fronts, right? So, yeah, the public education component is is crucial. Changing laws and policies and corporate policies, which is something we've been really focused on. We've gotten more than 200 of the biggest corporations in the world to start to implement these animal welfare measures, And, yeah, you know, it's just getting animals out of cages and making these very significant improvements but still leaving them in horrible factory farms. But it gets people thinking and really sort of, you know, bringing animals. You know, most people buy Christmas presents for their pets. You know, we live. It's been 200 years since Darwin. We know that these are smart, sophisticated, sensitive animals, which our culture hasn't caught up for these animals that are out of sight and out of mind. And so as we become more aware of them, and, yes, as plant-based proteins and clean meat proteins become more available, more accessible, tastier every year more affordable every year it's working on like every side of the equation to just make this a no-brainer you know once you have delicious every product you could possible on the grocery store which i think we're already there there's really just no reason not to if you can live healthier you know improve our environment protect animals and, and enjoy your food more like who doesn't feel better after a vegan meal than a a uh, meat-based one you know you're ready to go running afterwards you don't need to take a nap so
0: yeah you don't get that like those blues afterwards like i need to take a nap i'm tired (laughs) that's why you know the lowest productivity in office jobs is right after lunch Uh because everyone is too tired to get their work done because they're eating these meals that are you know basically toxic because they're full of all this crap that we shouldn't be putting in our bodies and right in front of us right now we've got miyoko's Mm -hmm. cheese and i think one of the hardest things people tell me personally um that is hard to give up is cheese yeah and i like what you said earlier like it's liquid meat because it's like a better way of putting because they're like well you know it's not they might be vegetarian but they can't give up the cheese because of the taste well cheese is naturally addictive right the and thing the, exactly mm-hmm. so we've got all of these
2: options mm-hmm. now we have a lot of options and that's kind of the beauty i mean when i stopped eating meat when i was eight years old
0: um, yeah you've been with uh, uh, you've been doing this for longer than which, uh, when did you stop giving it me
1: I was about 12 years old so not yeah. too you long guys afterwards. are amazing uh, yeah
0: but I mean the only non
2: dairy milk option was a box of powdered rice milk right and you uh, had to pour it into a glass of water yeah. and stir it up and it tasted worse <laughs> than I imagine chocolate would taste right it was yeah. so terrible. Yeah. So now the fact that the non-dairy milk industry is the tipping point is next year, right? That the non-dairy milk industry is going to be larger than the dairy industry? Oh,
1: I did not know that, but it sounds right. I mean, dairy profits are plummeting. Sales are going down. It's skyrocketing for plant-based milk. And you go in the grocery store, and yeah, it's gone from powder to... Do I want the coconut or the almond or the oat or the or the, hemp cashew. Or the cashew, right? Oh, like, do I want the, the blends? Best. Do I want so it sweetened exciting. or unsweetened? You know, it's, <laughs> I know. you spoil for choice. No, for sure. And it's so great. I, something that really inspired me was, um, my nephew just went vegan. He's 15 years old. Aww. Um, Yay. and his older sister is vegan as well. Um, and he's just, he's become total, uh, preaching it from the mountaintops sort or of a thing, which makes me so happy. But, oh, um, that's
0: amazing. That he, generation can change everything.
1: Totally. And so he was, eating, he's, I went over to visit him, and he was—we were eating Miyoko's cheese together, and he's like, "I can't even tell the difference. This is just, this is better than real cheese." Yeah. And I was like. Wow, because that's not the way I thought about vegan cheese. Like even five years ago, you know, these products just get better and better. Well, that's
2: it, and I think that's so important. I mean, as a chef and in the culinary Mm. world, that is going to be the biggest difference. It's not only making products that make you feel better when you're eating them, but products that actually taste better Mm. than the animal products. So Mm. making cheese that tastes better than real cheese, making milk that tastes better than than cow milk, and that's going to be the way of the future. So I'm so excited to see how the
0: food industry evolves from this. I know. And it's like, it giddy. well, it's like if I had to have food like Leslie's food every day, it would not be a problem. And like, I'm already vegan. But like when I started, it wasn't for the animals. I didn't know about the animals yet. You guys, I found out about the health, you know, lost parents to cancer, realized that food had the ability to heal us or kill us, decided, you know, I'm going to eat the food that heals me. And that journey took me into realizing, in my opinion, that the most health, nutrient-dense, best diet I could do was plant-based. Not even vegan, because you can eat Oreos on a vegan diet. You can eat the new, I don't know what's in the vegan McDonald's burger, but I'm sure it's, you know, it's better, but it's crap. But thank when, you, McDonald's, for having a meatless thank version. Thank you, McDonald's. Yes. Okay. We're getting there. But it's like, I wanted to eat the most vibrant foods possible. And so I realized I had to be plant-based. And that is when you go down this rabbit hole and then you find about the animal activism, and that's been my passion, you know, the few years after, you know, going plant-based because I realized, like, there's so much more to this, and people come at it from either the animal activism world. They find out that first, and they're like, well, obviously, I'm going to do this for my health, but they're still eating Oreos and, like, crap. So, like, well, French let's say... fries are vegan, I always say. I know. Yeah, exactly, and I have definitely had a meal of French fries when there wasn't an option at a restaurant in the middle of nowhere. When I'm on a road trip, the only thing I can eat is French fries and ketchup. So, like, Well,
2: we're working to change that.
1: Yes,
0: yes, I know. I know you are. I know that you're doing some amazing things. So what are some tips for people to just start eating healthier wherever they live?
1: Well, I'm sure Leslie could answer that better than I could. I I mean, but I spent a lot of time, obviously, when I was undercover crisscrossing the country. And this was 10 years ago, too, um, in rural Iowa and Oklahoma and um, places like that. And so you definitely got to figure it out. And for me, it wasn't too tricky. You know, it's just a matter of, You know, I'd go to Denny's and I'd get, you know, the scrambled egg platter, but I'd substitute potatoes for eggs and you get all the vegetables on top of there and stuff like that. And it's not a bad meal. Okay. So Denny's.
2: Denny's actually has quite a few vegan options. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, like accidentally vegan, which is my favorite term ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They have quite a few accidentally vegan things or things that are easily altered vegan. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But, you know, for me, the other cool thing is, you know, I think I didn't really appreciate food until I went vegan, you know? It's just sort of like, all right, I'm hungry, I got to eat this. That you is know? so true. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you you know, most vegans know how to cook at this point, you know, and you're trying all, food from all over the world because, you know, most types of food around the world are lend themselves very easily to a plant-based diet yeah uh so all of a sudden i'm eating thai food and indonesian food and mexican food yeah. and wherever it may be so um you know it's it's really kind of teaches you so much and really makes you really enjoy your food in a way you never did before for me it's just you know uh, so simple to just throw some you know i'm sure you leslie you make amazing stuff but for me it's just boil some rice or pasta Fry up some veggies and some protein, mm-hmm. put some sauce on it. And, you know, as long as you use, you know, a different sauce or a different grain every day, you, you never get bored. It's yeah. always good. It well, takes there's 10 over
2: 25,000 edible plants on Earth and there's only about 11 widely sourced animal proteins. So oh the God. options are literally endless. Right. You like, how
1: am I ever going to eat all of those plants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah.
2: Well, back to plants is, is eat real food. This is the simplest thing mm-hmm. that you can do in life is stopped eating processed foods and eat real food Uh, that's the best thing you can do for your health it's the best thing you can do for animals if you're going to buy something in a box you should look at the ingredient list and if it doesn't read like a a recipe would with ingredients that you could find in other places in the grocery store you should put it down if you can't like if you can't pronounce it right yep Mm -hmm. yeah yep you should really be eating whole real foods
0: and so if people really want to delve into um what you did cody you have a video and it's gone viral, right? Called What Cody Saw. You've got a lot of views on that video. Yeah,
1: I mean, several million people have probably seen this video at this point. It's called What Cody Saw. You can see it at www.whatcodysaw.com.
0: And what what do you go into?
1: Um, So it basically just sort of takes you through the way animals are produced on on modern farms. Um, So it, it talks about the dairy industry, the chicken industry, the egg industry, the pork industry, the fish industry. And you know, we show some graphic footage in there because people really ought to know uh, how this stuff is being produced. You know, If you can't look at it, you certainly have no business eating it. Um, but we try not to make it too depressing, so we intersperse it with a message of hope and some good food tips about how to cook and eat well. It sort of talks about my journey, about witnessing this stuff and how it's impacted me and my family. So I'm raising my daughter on a vegan diet. She's five years old now and thriving, and she's a little Amazing. animal activist of her own now. Um, oh. Not so much from my pushing, but you know, obviously, I think when kids are not indoctrinated in a certain way—sorry to use a heavy term—but I mean, for her, it was just I'm vegetarian because I don't want to hurt animals. And then when sort of she made the click about a year or two ago, and she was like, "Oh wow, like people," she's like. Does Grandpa eat animals? Do police officers eat animals? You know, she's shocked that, like, otherwise good people could be doing this. And she doesn't know about factory farming and that stuff yet. You know, I want to insulate her as long as possible from the harsh realities of the world. And that's part of what we get into in this video, what Cody saw. We really, we are, you know, I think we're built for good. And we're built to want to be kind and and live well in this world. And, uh, unfortunately, I think we just get used to the way things are. And many people accept that they have to be that way. And they absolutely don't.
0: What age do you think you would allow her to watch the video?
1: It's a good question. I haven't thought about it. Um, I don't think I'm going to have a choice. The way the internet works these right, days. Right, she'll just
0: find it on her own. Exactly. she like, daddy's in a video. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's true. Well, it is graphic, Food Heals Nation, but it's worth a watch. And it was hard for me to get through. Uh, one of the points you brought up that i always talk about too is that pigs are actually more intelligent than dogs yeah. here i am i've got my two dogs and i think they're pretty fucking smart like they are <laughs> intelligent they know what to do they are crafty they are smart they know how to manipulate me and then, and then i get onto their game like you know it's a yeah. whole thing yeah they're smart little dogs and they know how to love and they know how to love oh don't get me wrong they're, they're the reason that i get up in the morning by the way but pigs are smarter than dogs and here we are treating them like this and i remember nathan i wasn't Nathan? Yeah, I think Nathan was telling the story about the pigs that learn on the factory farm how to escape from their yeah, cage so that was, with their tongues, right?
1: Yeah. So that was when I was working um, at this gestation crate hog farm. This is yeah. a place where they breed mother pigs, so they'll have pigs to then bring and raise for 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 pork. And they keep all these mother pigs in these individual cages called gestation crates, which are about the size of their own bodies. So they really can't move more than a step forward or backwards for their entire lives. And one day I got into work. I went into these these farrowing barns. That's where we keep them when they're when they've given birth and they have a few weeks to sort of nurse their their babies. But they're still kept in these individual cages. Just now their babies have access to you know their mothers so they can get milk. But the animal the mothers are totally confined. So I go into one of these farrowing barns, and I see that one of the mothers has gotten loose and she's roaming around in the hallways. And I see that she's got ten of her little babies trailing on behind her. So I go and look, and she's opened up the bars of her cage. She literally, we would figure out later is, she'd figure out how to lift out the pins of her cage with her mouth and open up the door. And then she picked up each one of her babies and lifted them out and carried them with her. But she didn't stop there because I looked around and there were two other mother sows wandering around with their babies. This mother sow had figured out how to break out of her cage and instead of bolting for the exit, she went and started liberating her friends amazing or not even friends probably total strangers that she's never gotten interact before but she understood that she needed to show solidarity with other pigs and she had cracked the code and she was going to liberate the whole farm or something incredible it was amazing and it was so brilliant and apparently this is not an uncommon thing on Mm -hmm. these farms yeah because my supervisor was like yeah this happens on occasion and there's actually sort of a sad ending to that story which is
0: I know what it is but please tell it Yeah,
1: they they had to put her down well they didn't have to they put her down because they understood that if they put her back in a cage she'd just keep liberating them Mm
0: -hmm. because they're smart they learn and then they know what to do
1: yeah Mm -hmm. that's right
2: that's terrifying. And if anybody has listened to all of this,
0: and <laughs> still, <laughs> you're still with us in Hills Nation. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank about you for being whether with us. or it's not you animals
2: have uh, these kind of feelings, there's an amazing uh, document called the Cambridge Declaration, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm. Which is the top neuroscientists in the world got together and wrote a declaration about the animals being sentient beings and how they feel and. Mm are just as intelligent. Uh,
0: yeah. 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 And they well, grieve like us. Yeah, do. you
1: know, and I mean, it's great to have neuroscientists and animal behaviorists on our side because, you know, but... It, it's Everything co- else. <laughs> but it, it's yeah. common sense. I mean, if, you Look know, into
0: the eyes of your dog or your cat or whoever your pet is. You have a yeah. bird. I don't care. You have a pet, you understand that they're sentient beings.
1: Right. And, and pigs and cows and chickens are no different. You really can look in their eyes and you can see, you know, mm-hmm. in, into their hearts souls. or souls or minds or whatever you want to call it right. the difference between them and us as Darwin said is one degree not of, time, of kind they feel the same pain they feel the same joy you know they want to be free they have instincts and impulses and desires they want to yeah. socialize and play and nurture their young it's so basic this is hardwired into all of our DNA and this factory farming system frustrates every one of these desires you know people get hung up on the cruel workers like my supervisor Phil who beats them mm-hmm. and that is unexcusable but every single part of this model is built with total disregard for these animals needs it's just all about how to maximize profit it's just, It just it can't sustain itself
0: absolutely so cody is there anything that you want to leave us with any um activism or anything we haven't asked you yet
1: um sure you know obviously i think everyone ought to go to mercyforanimals.org and check out our work sign up get on our newsletter so you can be part of our army I also would be very remiss if I did not plug what we're doing in California right now. May Mm. I do that?
0: Of course.
1: Everyone should also check out preventcrueltyca.com. That's a new ballot initiative campaign in California. It's a coalition of all the leading animal protection organizations, the Humane Society, Mercy for Animals, the Humane League, the ASPCA. Everyone who matters is out there, and food safety groups, veterinarians, were all out there fighting to get this law up for a vote that basically change the game for animals. It would ban the extreme confinement of egg-laying hens, mother pigs, and baby calves in these tiny cages where they Mm -hmm. can never move. And not only for animals raised in California, but for any animal product that is sold in California. So, as I said, this is the sixth biggest economy in the world, California. And when we set these standards, factory farmers in Iowa and in North Carolina, North Carolina is the biggest uh, pork producer selling in California. And so if they want to have access to this market, they need to make the same standards that everyone else is meeting. Mm -hmm. So this would really help change the game. And the way we're going to do this is we need to collect half a million signatures over the next couple of months through volunteer power. So people like me, and we've been training an army of volunteers to get out there with these ballot initiatives. And go speak with Californians and say, hey, can you help us? Can you sign this petition and get it up for a vote? Can we're, people sign online? You cannot sign online because uh, we would already have finished if we could. Damn, it I'm is, like, yeah, yeah. you
2: are. On your website or on your social media, are you going to post where people are so they can go find them to sign?
1: Absolutely. Well, we're going to be all over the place. We're going to be at your local Whole Foods parking lot. We're going to be at farmers markets. You're not going to. real if the you live Whole in. Foods parking <laughs> parking. <laughs> you know the deal with the little shopping carts they got. Um, yeah, so you're not going to be able to miss us. If you live in California, we're going to be out there. And honestly, the best way to catch us is to join us. Go to preventcrueltyca.com backslash volunteer. Sign up there. You'll get a pack in the mail. It's going to teach you what to do, and you can be a part of making us, helping us get these signatures. Once we get the half million we need over the next couple months, it's going to come up for a vote next November 2018. We're polling right now at far over 70%, so once we get up for a vote, it's going to pass. We just need to get those signatures to get it on there, and that's going to help free countless animals every year from some of the worst forms of factory farm cruelty, which are these extreme forms of confinement.
0: Oh, I have chills. Party sign. How do I sign again? Food Hills <laughs> Nation, please sign if you're in California. So if you're not in California, you can't sign, right?
1: Unfo- you have to be okay. a California voter, but okay. we need support. you know. And later on in the year, we're going to be out, doing the get out the, uh, the vote phase. where We're going to have people phone banking, calling Californians, educating about this stuff. Yeah. So there's a role for everyone to play. But right now, it's all about getting people into California to help us collect signatures.
0: Okay. So if you're not in California, but you have friends or you know someone, just send them this link. Yep. You know, dot
1: Preventcrueltyca.com.
0: Good Lord okay <laughs> listen to him don't listen to me
1: right, you're, you're pretty close <laughs>
0: I'm sure we'll have the link somewhere we will put the link in awesome. the show notes yes we will do that and Leslie thank you for co-hosting where can everyone find you online um, I, so I'm super creative you can find me at lesliderso.com at lesliderso easy all just I like it when it's easy
1: <laughs> yeah so you can check us out at mercyforanimals.org you can go watch the video whatcodysaw.com and if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter I'm Cody Carlson underscore
2: I have a question where can I get that awesome button that you're rocking one
1: of these little buttons Prevent Uh, Cruelty California yeah so get one of these guys on the website uh, PreventCrueltyCA.com we have a whole merch thing with cool sweatshirts and uh, t-shirts it's uh, for people who can't see it listening online it's uh, the California logo yeah um, but instead of a bear it's a cow chicken and a pig it's pretty cool looking it's a good message t-shirt to wear when you get out there and you help raise funds for this campaign which is crucial very love cool it.
2: looking you know I'm all about my
0: fashion but I will be rocking some prevent <laughs> cruelty California fashion for sure heck yeah you all know right. it's like you know what I do okay so I'll get a t-shirt that like doesn't fit well and then i cut it and then i tie it and then make it look adorable. like adorable yeah you know, something like that yeah make well like cut fashionable. it and braid it oh yeah and can. i've done it in the back too okay so we'll make it fashionable. <laughs> don't yeah, worry right. yeah i like it oh my gosh thank you guys so much for being here we really appreciate such it. a total
1: pleasure to join you guys thank you both so much for having me here cheers <laughs>
0: All right, thanks for tuning in, Food Heals Nation. Hope you are enjoying the holidays. This is actually our last episode of 2017. So happy almost New Year! Happy almost New Year! 2018. It's going to be a big year. It's a very going to be a great year. I'm excited. We, so, have we have
3: four of. I, I, were you going to say that? I'm going to say it. I don't. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm going a cleanse, Food Heals Nation. I don't do well with not eating. I've been on a liquid Uh, cleanse. This is my second day. I'm almost done.
0: (laughs) It's okay. I have brain fog too. You're not alone. I understand how hard the cleanse can be, but you're going to feel so much better and I can't wait to hear about it.
3: I will. So we have four events coming up in 2018. We hope you can join us. We have all different types all over the world. We told you about Italia. We told you about Sundance. What else we got, Allie?
0: We have the Releasing What Weighs You Down. It's a workshop slash conference. It's with JJ Flazanes, who you know from the podcast. She's been on so many episodes throughout our, what What are we on? 180 something. Yeah. Uh, she's a, a lot. She's a holistic trainer, a lifestyle coach, and this event is in LA. I'll be speaking at it. You can join in person or online there are a limited number of seats left for the live event so you can also buy a virtual ticket if you're interested and that's how you can watch all the sessions do the exercise on your own and you'll still get the benefits from the work that we'll be doing it's a great gift to give yourself you can bring a friend i have a coupon code you'll get 10 off the website is foodhealsnation.com slash january event i really hope to see you there i'll also be in orlando in 2018 a lot of travel happening. That is Podfest a Multimedia Expo. It's the conference for podcasters, digital influencers, change makers. You want to grow your brand. You want to grow your audience. You want to maximize your income. I'm going to be talking about how to market and monetize a podcast. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, if you want to do something with your wellness career like Susie and I have done, you can't afford to miss this. I do have a coupon code. It's BWR. You'll get $20 off. And I feel like we just need to end on Italy because that's the most exciting and crazy An amazing. Exotic. One. Oh, I'm so excited. An exotic. Yes. So I mean, what else are we gonna do? We told you earlier we're gonna go hiking, we're gonna have cooking classes with Leslie. We're gonna do a live podcast with Susie and I. So every we can just like round table and talk about our amazing experiences. Anyone who wants to join the podcast, you can be on it. If you don't wanna join it, that's no biggie. It's gonna be like just experiential you know, we'll do it live and we'll just hang out and see how everyone's feeling, what everyone's up to. We're going to be at an organic garden overlooking the Amalfi Coast. So I just don't know what could be the better The Amalfi
3: than that. Coast. If you haven't seen it, go Google it. It's
0: breathtaking. It's spectacular. Yes. Good point. Google it right now. It's the town. <laughs> the town is called Ravello. Is that how I say it, Susie? Revello. Revello. Okay. And there's a villa with adorable apartments, gardens, infinity edge pool, hot tub, natural spring grotto. Expansive. Expansive? Expansive. It sounded like I was saying expensive with a southern accent for a second there. Expansive. It does. Yeah. I was just reading the description, but an expansive organic farm. Okay. All the Italian charm you need in your life. I need in my life. I've never been. So I'm so excited.
3: And you're married to an Italian American. It's very
0: exciting. I know. I know. It's about time I got there. It's about time we got there. I'm going there before I go there with him. I'm going there with the girls, with you women.
3: He's not it's meeting you? Fat. I'm making no, Mike a meeting. Well, oh, yeah. I'm making me
0: after. Yeah. Where are you and Mike going to go?
3: All over. Rome, uh, maybe Sardinia, maybe the Cinque Terre, which is up in the north, which I have never been to um you know i lived in tuscany so i don't know it depends on where he went because he's been to italy too but we've never been there together so
0: oh you guys are like such world travelers you've both been to italy and me and Dan have never either one of us (laughs) Yeah, i'm super excited it's gonna be awesome but that's a good point food Heals nation if you want you know come to our trip and then after or before you can do your own travels with a friend a husband whatever and go explore italy on your own i mean who doesn't need an excuse to go to Italy in 2018? Nobody needs an excuse, especially considering the state of the world. You know, Italians are
3: way more relaxed than we are. They just live a not not a simpler life, but just they don't they don't get so tense like like Americans do. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that, just being surrounded by people that take time to eat. You know, that are not in a rush. So, eat, pray, love. You know, where she talks when she goes to Italy. She talks about dolce farniente, which means, it's a saying, it means the sweetness of doing nothing.
0: <laughs> mm, gorgeous. I dolce love that. Dolce farniente.
3: Let's all get a bit of that.
0: I need that in my life. So we're going to relax. If you need some relaxation, come join us in Italy, foodhealsnation.com slash Italy. Download more info there and you'll be on our email list. So as soon as the event is ready to go and live, you can sign up.
3: Happy holidays, Food Heals Nation. We love you and we hope to see you in Italy in 2018. Ciao. Ciao.